0: Welcome to Allobee Radio, where we support you in your business and life. Listen in each week for episodes on how to grow your business, tips from successful business owners, answers to your burning business questions, and much more. Join our Allobee Hive, and we will help you and your business grow. I'm your host, Brooke Markadichis, founder and CEO of Alibi, a SaaS solution for freelancers to manage their business and get work brought to them. We are the solution for stress-free freelancing and the hub of the best vetted workforce around. I took my years of freelance, startup, and -and brick-and-mortar experience and merged it with my technical background and skills to create Alibi. My hope is that this podcast will bring you actionable tips, tricks, and tools to help you gain momentum in your business and life. Let's get into the buzz of the week. Okay, welcome back to B radio, everybody. I am so excited to have our guest Jackie here today. And I wanted to share a little bit about who she is. And then we're going to dive into an awesome podcast today. I've heard great things about Jackie, and I'm excited to have our conversation. So Jackie is a certified master marketer, conversion copywriter, and brand voice strategist. She helps new and established online course creators, coaches, and creative service providers productize their knowledge and launch educational courses, coaching programs, and and powerful brands with strategic messaging that scales their businesses. I know many of you out there need everything that Jackie does. So (laughs) let's keep listening to a little bit about her. So she has grown her own business to surpass six figures in one year. She specializes in launching sales copy and brand voice to help her clients attract perfect fit customers and boost conversions of their sales funnels. Her approach to sales copy and brand messaging is strategic, data-driven, and fueled by deep customer empathy. So clients can sell their uh, sell without sleazy or pushy sales tactics. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so Jackie, without further ado, welcome to the be Radio Podcast.
1: Yay, Brooke. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, of
0: course. We are excited to dive in and learn a little bit more about you. So I know that you're a former educator, which I also started in education. That's what I went to school for. My mom's a teacher. So I always thought that I would go into teaching. (laughs) But I'd love to know a little bit more about what led you to your business. I think this is always the fun question, especially when other entrepreneurs and business owners are listening, because so many of us came from various different backgrounds to lead us to our business today. So what led you to your business?
1: Yeah. Great question. So I was a music teacher before I started my online business. And in 2017, a music colleague, she is the president of a music nonprofit was following me on Instagram. And she was like, Hey, you're pretty good at social media. Do you want to run our social media? And I knew that I wanted to have experience in the online business world and digital marketing. And I saw that essentially as my way kind of in to get experience with um, basically social media and marketing in general. And my older sister at that time, around the same time, she is also an entrepreneur and she saw that and she was like, hey, did you know that email marketing is more effective than social media marketing? And that really motivated me. I didn't know that at the time, but that really motivated me to start studying about copywriting all on my own. And as I started learning more about copywriting, I I saw how important it was for business owners to have that as a skill and knowing that I really wanted to, to also be a business owner myself someday. Um, I was like, okay, even though I am not being paid for this nonprofit job right now, (laughs) like I am just, I'm learning as much as I can. And I was taking a really beginner's approach to it to just really be a, be as pers as diligent as I could be. And so fast forward to fast forward a couple years of, you know, having my job, like still being an educator, um, and, you know, studying as much as I could, um, my husband graduated from med school in 2020. And I said, this is my year. I'm going to work for myself and I'm going to, uh, work full time from home. And it just so happened that that summer I was using Instagram to do two things. I was trying to also explore a career path to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I, I was also still really set on learning about or like being an online business owner. So at the same time, I was like also trying to sell my services. And so I was creating content on my Instagram and it just so happens that a therapist found one of my reels and she was launching a course for the first time. And she was like, you look like you could help me. Can you write my email? Can you help me write my emails for my course? And I was like, yeah, I've taken a copywriting course before and I've created lead magnets before. I can absolutely help you. And even though that was the first paid copywriting project, I really surprised myself. She had a return on investment of seven times over. So I wrote like everything. And I like that really (laughs) confirmed to me that I was like, yeah, I can absolutely do this. I don't have to like just I don't just have to market with social media. I found myself really drawn to, again, sales copy and how that could be essentially the gap between the expert and the people that really need them. So once I saw that, I was like, I'm pausing grad school and I'm pursuing the (laughs) business full time. So, I love that.
0: I love that. I think that it's so interesting when we you know, you had that idea of, okay, I think I want to try out this marketing thing, but you weren't sure yeah. what direction. But all of these things just kind of came into your into your life. I think when we're very open for that to come in and looking for all of that to happen. Um, yeah. it definitely is really nice when it kind of all comes together. But I love that yeah. you, you know, you chose to go more into this sales, conversion, copy, you know, helping people to sell things because. That's not always the path that a, that a lot of copywriters take so or even content creators in general. Um, yeah. So kind of how did it, it pick up from there? You've got this client you know you did really good for her you 7x you know her return. So what did that lead to next? I'm interested to hear a little more.
1: Yeah so she was super thrilled with the results and then she ended up giving me a ton of referrals. Um, and so re- really based on that first project, that was a big Kickstarter to me being connected with a lot of other people. But then I also realized like, I didn't just want to niche down to like, oh, I'm the therapist's copyright. I didn't want to be that niche, you know? Um, I really wanted to work with a variety of business owners. And then I started really figuring out, um, and dipping my toes into like, What do I really love? What do I really have a passion for? Or like, who do I really feel excited about writing for? Um, And, you know, so many people in that niche, for example, like they still often feel like it's really sleazy to sell or like it's like sales is really icky but really when you think, or even like other people will think like, I'm not a writer, so I'm not going to, I can't do this. Right. But really like it has to come from where I found like so much joy is helping them see that you actually can, everyone can sell what they, what their expertise is. Um, when you see it from a place of, I'm actually, first of all, I'm a good, I'm a really good listener to be a good seller. You have to be a good listener first to your customers and really access that empathy. And so from there, like she, you know, I had a lot of referrals coming in and, um, I, I was offering a lot of other, a a lot of other things besides copywriting, but that's also where I like, I decided like, okay, like I really, really want to focus on the words that people are using because that's where a lot of the struggle was happening Um, primarily, and especially when it came to sales and branding yourself, right. First branding yourself and then like selling, I was like, okay, there's so much gold here that I can work with and that I can hold space for people too, as they, as they process and like unlearn basically these things. So, you know, we had, we had, we had strong, a strong referral base. And I also definitely decided to remove, um, services that I that I was like you know what? that's not my thing anymore I'm like I'm really focusing in on this cuz that's what that's what I love the most and that's what I um that's what I know my people need the most help with. So
0: yeah. No, you bring up such a good point. And I think you're so smart to having just started this, you know, about two years ago, really already pushing into that niching down or just claiming those boundaries of like, I'm really yeah. good at this, and I'm only gonna focus on this because a lot of times, and and I feel this as a business owner all the time, and I'm sure you'll go through up and downs too, but like, okay, but I could do this and we could bring in some money here, but maybe that's going to take away from, you know, this, what I really love doing. Um, And I think we start to get, you know, feel that imposter syndrome or feel that we're not going to reach our goals. But oftentimes that takes us on a squirrel path that we don't really (laughs) need to go on, you know, where it's, It definitely brings that up. And I think especially a lot of our listeners um, probably are struggling with, you know, either do I just focus on a certain niche or certain, you know, area of service or what if I'm going to need some extra money? Are there enough clients? But there are plenty of people out there that need your services. And I think that you bring up such a good point of like, it's the words, but it's also the branding yourself. Like people want to hear, like if, like let's say... You know, the therapist recommends to another therapist. They want it. That therapist is also wanting to know. Hey, she knows how to speak in in this language of what I need it to be. She can tap into that empathy. She can do all of these things. So, okay, great. You loved her. I'm going to love her too, and they're going to hire you. And so, it's referrals are the best. And I and I always talk about this because that's how it was for me when I freelanced. Is referrals are the best way for you to to grow as a freelancer. Um, and we oftentimes don't look at it as the first reason or first thing we focus on oh let me sell myself on social media. let me sell myself yeah. over here. but really it's relate really, it's that relationship building and doing an excellent job for whoever you're working with and then yes. repeat that and just keep you know following up with that
1: relationship.
0: Oh sure. my gosh,
1: yes, I hundred yeah. percent agree with you. yeah.
0: Definitely. I love that your career has kind of evolved into such now, you know, being really successful as a freelancer. Um, but what's one thing that you wish you had known when you began your career, either as a freelancer or just in general as beginning your career, you know, into the world?
1: Uh yeah. Um, I think I was also really under the impression that branding myself was just about my visuals. And I think I, I had also, I remember working with not necessarily the best mentors. Um, I wish I could have gone back and I wish I would have said like, this person sounds great, but you should actually look and you should look for mentors with these qualities instead Um, so that's one lesson that I would say I would go back and tell myself. Um, and then also to, to think about branding, not just as visuals, but also a combination of your verbal brand strategy, Mm -hmm. your, what message are you going to say? Um, how does that relate to the, the overall vision that you have for your customers, not just your own life. I think it's important to have a vision for what you want your life to look like, but as it relates to like your business, what is that? What is the vision that you have for your customers after they're, they're done working with your company and then also like the core values that drive every single decision that you make. Um, I think if I had, I think that's the kind of, especially when it comes to core values of a business, a lot of people kind of just brush that off. Um, and they're like, oh, this is kind of fluffy. Like, I don't really need this. Like, let me just get to like the new, like the, the immediate things that I can work on, like writing these emails and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the further that I get into branding, brand messaging, brand voice, the more that, and studying big brands as well, and what makes them so popular or what what is it that creates these lifelong raving fans, is to be so deeply in tuned with what my values are and to be okay with, um, to be okay with how you are going to, how you're going to that, the how can, can evolve over time, you know, as far as like what, what that ends up looking like. But for me, I think if I had again, just gone through like the, the, triad essentially of like what are the values what is the vision and what is the verbal message and the voice Mm. with which i'm communicating those values Um, what is that sweet spot and then like from there right from that deep foundation is where um your visual brand strategy can follow after that um, so that, those are definitely some things that I, I would go back and I would tell myself yeah. to work on and found it's, it's foundational. It's, it's basic quote unquote, but it's, we got to master the basics before. Yeah, you, no,
0: you do. You do. On. And there's a lot of, um, I think you bring up too, like with the mentors, but also with the brand, I think a lot of times, and I hear this a lot from clients, especially as they'll come and they'll be like. I need a logo. And I'm like, do you have any messaging? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, do you have anything? Yeah. Do you have any copy? Like, or even when I used to do a lot of web development, um, people would come and, and design. They would be like, yeah, I'm ready for a website. Like, Do you have any copy? Do you have any pictures? Do you, have any? you know, like, and the last thing I would ask is, do you have a logo? Do you have colors? Like, that's all like at the end over here. Like, we need yeah. to know a lot about you first. And I know that it frustrates people because they want it out there fast, but they don't understand that if they don't establish this really core base and in the basics, they won't be able to take it forward um, and and be successful because no one will know what they're about. And if they don't know what they're about, then how are they going to connect with them? Um, And I think that that's a really hard thing for a lot of business owners is to just be patient and and, get, and I think a lot of times it's not even just like the patients, but also kind of going back to some of the the mentors out there, or gurus that we hear about, you know, in the online yeah. business space is they're talking from what they're selling at that moment in time.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah. they aren't necessarily helping your business where you're at today. Like they're not no, necessarily no, no, no. helping you where you're at today. And it, we can often go off on those like little shiny object syndrome moments and shiny brand additions and all of the (laughs) things. Um, But that's not necessarily going to help us both as either a freelancer or as a business owner is that we really have to know, like you said, what are your values? What do you want to actually achieve? Um, And so I think that's a hard thing for a lot of business owners when they're getting started. And even like as they're pivoting or changing, I know we're personally going through some messaging stuff right now. And messaging is so essential to making sure that you get attract the right people. Um, And oftentimes we try to go into different... Messaging to appease certain directions and people, or make more money in certain areas, but um, usually the farther you get away from that core vision and mission, the the worse it becomes. So, uh, I definitely, yeah, you gave some good some good advice there. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. yeah. So I want to go a little bit more specific on what you do in in reference to. What would be your tip for, let's say someone's coming to you, your ideal you know, client, and they're specifically looking for, let's say they're selling a course. We'll just do that. That's in my mind because we're creating a course right now. Um, Alibi is your ticket to stress-free freelancing. Our goal is to save you time so you can make more money. We are built by freelancers for freelancers, and we want to make onboarding your clients, tracking work, invoicing, scheduling meetings, subcontracting work, everything you need to run a business, simple. Allobie Plus is all of your business management tools consolidated into one simple-to-use platform. We don't want to just stop at helping you manage your current clients. We also want to give you the ability to get match for work and bring clients to you, or short on-demand jobs that you can pick up in your dashboard. Ready to simplify your life and business and snag a tax write-off before the year ends? Head over to Allobee.com slash plus. To sweeten the deal, as a listener, you can now get one month free of our standard level and get started right. Just use code RADIO, all caps, A-L-L-O-B-E-E-R-A-D-I-O, today and join the Allobee family. What would you suggest to them as they've created this course, they're getting ready to start marketing it? What should they stop and do first? Obviously hire you, but what should they stop (laughs) and do first um, as they're preparing um, to get that course out into the world?
1: Ooh, good question. So as an educator, you know, it's really important to me to, you know, a former educator, like I 100% see the value in starting with instructional design first. And like, what are the objectives that my learners are going to go through? Mm -hmm. Instructional design, curriculum design is super important. And I don't want to diminish that at all. And I think that there are a lot of instructional design agencies, for example, that you know, once they work on the curriculum, like you will see higher completion rates, which will then end up like creating happy customers who then refer you, right? So so I think that's definitely important. But then I think w- where where it gets to be too much is when we get so stuck into like creation mode and like our expertise that then it becomes very difficult to kind of get out of the bottle and basically read the bottle from the outside that is not read by an expert that you are. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's where we have to be mindful of like, especially if like you're writing your own copy um, context, switching from creation and then thinking about like, what is someone thinking about who doesn't have like my experience and my, my expertise, it's very hard to context switch. So it's so important to think about like this is why market research is so important. And I will always include, um, I will always, always, always have research as part of my copywriting process to really, again, listen for what your customers are actually, what are they actually saying about their struggles and their desired transformations and what they've already tried as relates to failed attempts and other solutions in the market that are not as good as yours. Because those are the Mm -hmm. things right? That they need to hear before we get to things like, okay, here's like, here's what you're going to learn in module one. And here's what the price is and whatnot. All of those things are important, but only after a certain sequence of messages that a buyer needs to hear and believe right before they get to the product phase. So then in market research, when you're, whether you're, you know, releasing a survey or whether you're analyzing surveys from past customers Um, or you're analyzing sales calls, or you're going on -on one-on-one interviews with people, right? Some of the things that you can ask your customers are, um, what have you already tried, right? What did you already try to um, accomplish XYZ result, right? And also just getting really deep with the questions that you're asking and how I mentioned earlier, like selling is not necessarily about selling. It's about asking the right questions first and asking um, asking the questions that will help them basically say like, oh, I've never, I never even thought about that. Like, um, and that's how you position yourself as an expert. And, and when you also like ask the right questions, you will get such good copy. You get such good copy when you ask the right questions on like a Mm one-on-one call. I'm going Mm -hmm. through a, um, I'm writing a sales page for a client right now. And, I'm like, all of these answers that your customers are saying are just golden. Like, this is nowhere on your website. This needs to go on your website right now. Like, let's test this on your Facebook ads. Um, (laughs) Because it's like they, again, especially if you have such a good product too, right? Like, if you have a good product and you have a very clear outcome that your students are learning from or your coaching clients, what have you when they when you've created a good project product that delivers well on a promise your customers are going to have excellent excellent things to say about where they were before, right? Yeah. and where they are now and what was what's so different about the way you do things. That's the number one mm-hmm. thing that I would encourage any business owner whether you are a coach a consultant, a service provider, a course creator, um, knowing how you are different and using the words that your customers say to describe you as, as how you're, how you're different in the market, that is going to be such a game changer for again, any, any business model
0: yeah oh, that's such good advice. I hope everybody <laughs> listened to that and go back and or you know go back a few minutes and listen to the right listen to it again. Um, I think that we oftentimes do not listen to our customers or to our ideal client. I know this summer, we usually do a pretty good job of it, but we you know, started as a managed marketplace, two sides. It's very complicated when you have two different types of ideal users and customers, and it makes messaging all, oh so fun. Um, so I spent the summer listening to our freelancers, and I literally did a focus group with them. I talked to them on Voxer every day, took all of their stuff that they gave us, and we That's built awesome. further on our product directly from what they asked for. Um, And now we're turning that into copy, but, but it was definitely Uh, so important for us to just pause and listen. Um, And I learned a lot of things that I didn't necessarily know that they were experiencing or that they were wanting um, and, and things they wanted to pay for too. So I think it's stuff that like, we don't often like we, hello, ask your, ask the people that you're selling, that they want to give you more money. Um, But oftentimes we just don't, think to ask. And so we shouldn't have to just pause when we're wanting copywriting done, but um, it's definitely like an essential thing in in my opinion. Um, And a a lot of clients too are like, oh man, there's a lot that goes into this copywriting thing, but (laughs) it can be so magical in the end and so valuable. Um, And I think a lot of times people don't think how much goes into it, especially conversion copywriting and sales copy. Like I think a lot of people don't get how much there is behind it. Um, so thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. I'd love to know one, I'll do this in two parts. So a first part. We've had a lot of people that have pivoted or wanting to pivot from teaching into freelancing. Obviously, we know all the – we could go on a whole episode about teaching and underpay and all all of that. (laughs) Um, So we'll do that on another episode. But for this episode, I'd love to know what is the number one skill that you gained while being an educator that helped you as an entrepreneur?
1: Oh, so good. I love this question. Such a good question. I have two answers to this. So as a music teacher, I had like eight to 10 performances that I was running a year. And so that was like a performance of every single grade level at the elementary, plus like the choir performances. And so it was, it was always like, once you were done with one performance, we started another one. So that really helped me with project management and planning ahead as it relates to like your marketing campaigns um, and allowing your audience to, I mean, that goes along with the second part of this answer, which is I was writing copy and I didn't even know it. So if you are a teacher, for example, um, and you are interested in learning more about copywriting or getting better at it, there are, I'm pretty sure if you ask yourself, you know, what are the ways that I've had to persuade people by email? <laughs> Mm-hmm. you're already using copywriting, um, yeah. principles and you don't know it. And so that was, that was a big, like I, eye opener for me too. Cause it was like, I literally had to get like hundreds of people to show up to every single performance and like children to like, I had to persuade them air quotes to be excited about showing up. And so, um, that that's a two-in-one answer where it's like, okay, I have to learn, like I had to figure out, okay, how do I like talk to multiple people at once and get them all to do the thing that I want them. Like they all had different roles. Right. So that was definitely a project management thing. And then also like, also using the words to basically persuade them to do the things that I wanted them to do. (laughs) So it was really both, like, it was both real, realizing that I was already using copywriting and not knowing it. And then like seeing how project management has served me in such good ways that just made my, my now, now job a lot easier. So those two for sure.
0: Yeah. uh, That's so true. And I think that that's something, especially the project management, like, I see that happening from um, people that are coming from education, healthcare workers. I mean, you learn how to project manage in so many different careers. Like it it is. And I think a lot of times we forget the soft skills that we we learn in all of our, you know, in our career prior to to coming into freelancing that are so essential. And honestly, what make you a good entrepreneur? Because if you were good at those soft skills and not having, I mean, as an educator, you're barely... I mean, you really are kind of on your own anyway. Yes, you work in a school setting. Yes, you have a principal, but like, you're in charge of your like making sure the curriculum gets out there. You're in charge of making sure that all of these events happen and you're taking care of all of these children and like there's so <laughs> many things an educator like making on. sure they, they don't throw like, up. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You're doing all of the things wearing all of the hats all from that. That's why I always am a huge proponent of like anybody that was an educator should be not like can be an entrepreneur like hands Absolutely. down because You've already done all of it. You just didn't realize it <laughs> while, you were, while you were in 100%. Yeah. My brother is a is a band director at a high school, and so I totally know the whole music, <laughs> music scene and have heard from it. I've still tried to talk him into being an entrepreneur, but he just loves music <laughs> too much, so he will probably that. always be there, but... Um, it's definitely, you, you point out such, such good points that really you've already done this. You've persuaded you have, you know, you've learned (laughs) how to, to manage this already. Um, and it, it helps to set you up for success as an entrepreneur for sure. Well, I know that you've had a good amount of success so far, but what is the biggest challenge that you faced as an entrepreneur, um, up to this point and how did you overcome it or what did you learn from it?
1: Ooh, also such a good question. So a few months into a client project, no, 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 not a client project. Um, probably my, yeah, it was the first year. So a few months in, I had definitely, I had worked with a VA. I had on onboarded a VA and I made the big mistake of not training my VA to understand how we communicate with clients. So I didn't have back then, I did not have what I now offer clients, which is the service of creating a brand messaging guide or and brand voice guide. I did not have that for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what ended up happening was she had responded to a client email she was client facing and she had responded to a client email in a way that was very off-brand and it ended up triggering the client and it was like one of those situations where it was like you can't ever like come back from that and it was all my you know it's like it's not It's it was not the VA's fault at all, but it was more so like if I had done a better job, like preventing it and creating better SOPs, for example, to uh, as it relates to like our our client communication and our brand messaging, our brand voice you know, then that I'm more than sure that that would have happened. And a- anyone who has been fo- like the past summer, for example, I don't know if you, if you saw the thing with like Ulta Beauty and Kate Spade, do you remember seeing that? Mm-hmm. Like yes. that sort of like terrible, like m- that sort of thing happens. It's so detrimental, even like to big brands. And that's why like, mm-hmm. it's become so, I'm, I've become so passionate about brand messaging and brand voice and also like training, not just you know, your marketing person, but even like your internal ops team, mm-hmm. how, and your client delivery team, right. Whoever's client facing, it's so important that everyone is on board and they're trained well, as far as what is, what, how, what is the SOP for our words, you know? And yeah. so that really like, that like was probably the, the impetus for me to be like, you know what, we're doing this the right way. We're going to have, a really great clear training and me putting on my teacher hat on, you know what I mean? I was just Mm -hmm. like, I have to create better materials for whoever, you know, works for me with, with me because I would never want a client to end up feeling this way. Even if it was an accident, you know what I mean? Like it's still, it's the sort of thing that you can prevent and words mean so much. And again, with like the Ulta beauty as as that example is like the, that's a totally extreme example. Um, but on a, on a smaller scale, small business owners, that can happen to us too. And you would never want that. You would never want that for a client, right? Um, so that definitely was a huge uh humbling moment for me and also just helped me like lean on like how can I show up as a leader in this way instead of being reactive and like how can I then create something productive out of this. So that's, that was a huge, <laughs> huge lesson for me. And granted, you know, I, I could say, I wish I could take it back, but honestly now if I, if that didn't happen, it, I wouldn't be as passionate as I am now in terms of like um, not only creating, you know, SOPs for your business and how your business runs, but creating a really good, strong strategy for your messaging for your voice and how to train your team members in it too. So definitely yes. a very humbling moment for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not alone in that. So many business owners, like it is the hardest thing is to onboard a freelancer because you are, especially when you're small and it's your first outsource, you are not sure. Like you're used to people being onboarded at a school and understanding what the school is about, or you're used to it being, you know, happening in corporate America or wherever it is. Oftentimes yeah. it's not your responsibility to onboard that person to and make sure them. they understand. Yeah. yeah. It's not usually how, how the process works, but it is when you're a business owner. And that's one of the things we actually are putting together that'll be live soon for um, uh, business owners is basically how to onboard successfully a freelancer. And yeah. <laughs> one of the biggest things that. was you know, creating those SOPs and also recording looms, loom videos or short videos um, of you talking about that process. So they truly yeah. understand it. It's not just that it, it's the words both written and audible for them to truly understand what your mission and vision is, what yeah. you want to get across to it. Um, And we find that when our business owners take the time to do that, it's so much more successful for how they onboard somebody and um, can keep people on longer term because they feel like they understand exactly what the flow is of that business. But also for, okay, not every freelancer is going to stay forever. So you already have that set up for the next person that might need to come in or you start growing and you need to bring in more people. Um, so we found yeah. that that can be like a game changer, <laughs> and and also just the communication in those that first week um, with somebody is just making sure they truly understand what you're about, what you want them yes. to achieve. Creating templates so then they can take it yes. further, and it is it is a lot of upfront work, and and I. All of this that we've talked about. Like there's a lot of work that goes into all of this, but it can be a game changer for you if you actually, you know, put the put the effort in. Um, but yeah, that that's a a hard one. I learned also the hard way on that. So I I know, and it's, you know, we get mad and frustrated in the moment that, oh, this is just did not work out. This was not how I wanted it to go. But was it my fault or was it really their fault? Like likely it's usually you as the business owner that you didn't, you know, like take that effort, which you saw that. And, and I'm yeah. glad that, you know, now you, now you're able to kind of turn that on its head and be prepared for, for other outsourcing in the future. Oh my gosh.
1: Fun. Now I'm like, every time I talk to my assistant, I'm like, Oh my God, please stay with me forever because <laughs> yes. you are perfect. And yes. you worked well, so well together. So yeah, I mean, truly, It it had to come from that, like that, that foundational understanding of like, okay, what is the mission of the business? What are the, what are our values? What is our unique value proposition? And then how does that translate to what our what is the transformation that we're leading our customers through? And then also like our team, how does our team, are we onboarding team members that are deeply aligned with that, with all of those things? Mm -hmm. So
0: yes, no, it's so important. That's you, you bring up that, that point of just having those team members that are deeply aligned with what we're doing. And I think that that is one of the biggest things that people forget. Like They ask culture questions at an interview at a corporate company. Like they They make sure that you're a good fit. They ask it at startups, they ask these questions, but we oftentimes don't do that. That's one thing we, Added into our process at Allobie about a year ago is our culture questionnaire. So any of our freelancers that come on, we make sure they fit with our culture and our values so we know that they're going to do good work for our clients. And so, yes, maybe they have the best portfolio, great references, all that. But if they don't pass that culture question, like the culture interview, sorry, like it's not going to be a good fit because we saw that if it wasn't a good match for us, it was always because of something with culture, like every time it was. Um, yeah, and so making sure that you include that in your interview process or in you know your onboarding is is really important. So. That is okay. definitely a good lesson to, <laughs> to take away for us. Well, I have one more question for you today. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I get asked as an entrepreneur is just, you know, what resource, what resources out there were super valuable to me as I started a business? What What's the best resource that you've come across that's helped
1: you? Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't think I'm going to say a business answer because I deeply believe that before someone feels ready, like really ready to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I know I personally had to go through a big healing journey internally. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, once, once you have, once you have a level of confidence in yourself as a business owner, right from there is where you can feel confident about leading other people, feel confident about selling your services unapologetically. Right. So I would say, you know, for me, I worked with a lot of, I worked with a lot of people to help me on. I mean, I'm still on a healing journey, to be honest. I mean, I think, I think many of us could say that we are, but I think I had to get to a place where I had to be really really confident in myself, more confident than I was a couple of years ago. So if you can surround yourself with a support system of people who will lift you up and who will see, like help you see your gifts. Um, I remember working with coaches and therapists on my own, on my own stuff. And and that was for a really long time before I had ever started a business a long time before I started a business. Yeah. And I would say, if it wasn't for me diligently pursuing those those Mm -hmm. inner workings of myself as a leader, right? Leading myself first um, and, and deeply taking all of those things seriously, then like that, that honestly, honestly has to be like my number one, like recommendation to anyone. If you're seeking resources to grow your business, you have to grow yourself first. Um, You have to be really confident in yourself first, um, and wherever that, wherever that may be, that can look like, you know, taking a class, you know, with, with a professional who is a mental health professional or a, uh, a certified life coach or something like that, whatever it is for you that you feel really drawn to that will help you with your own leadership, <clears throat> hands down, recommend yep. pursuing those um, avenues because um, it has to be an internal an internal job before it is an external job of growing your team, growing your clientele, serving them all, serving them all well. So God, hopefully no. that well, wasn't that is- I know that
0: was <laughs> no, that is such good advice. And you know, <laughs> I I was just putting together this um video series that we're doing for Al B for our clients that are on board, like as they're onboarding. And one of the biggest blockers that we found through all of our research and data that's coming to B is So often a client will get to the point where they've said yes to outsourcing. They've started to onboard the freelancer. And then the biggest blocker is that one, they're afraid to let people into their house their house, their business house, <laughs> yeah. or because of imposter syndrome. And they're just not ready to go to that next yeah. level. And it has nothing to do with the freelancer or LLB or anything. Yeah. It literally has to do with them. And so it was like, that part is like, get past your shit, basically. It's like, how do you get past? Like, I don't know. I've got to record this video, so it should be entertaining. But um, but it's, it is. And like, I experienced that as a business owner. Like, you know, whenever you're about to up level in some capacity, you shut down in some way. And yeah. you start to feel like weird about everything. And so that's one of the biggest things that, that we see is like, it, it can, it can happen very often for that first outsource or even the fifth outsource that they're doing. Yeah. Like whenever you're about to enter into something and that's the same, like when you're entering into starting a business or taking that leap from another right. career is that you need to be prepared because there's a lot coming down the, you know, down the yeah. pipeline. Um, yeah. So I and I know as a business owner too, whenever we're about to up level or pivot or any any big things coming, I always like start to contract in some capacity. And so, but I mean it's just I think that's how we it's a natural thing. It's, it's natural. a natural, it yeah. is. And so then I'm like, okay, I need to journal more, I need more therapy, like all of these things, but I know that about myself. And mm-hmm. and that's I think it's just this the biggest thing is um that self-reflection and self-awareness yes. that you oh gain from being able to have that, um, which is hard. It's really hard to do. Yeah. But by you doing that. And I mean, I think that's a, such a great thing that you brought up that you did that prior to really going for it is because
1: literally years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: but that's, that helped you be successful in a short period of time. i hundred percent believe yeah. that because you yeah. were ready to do that. You like yeah. had less imposter syndrome. You had less yeah. things that were holding you back because you were ready to take that leap. And mm-hmm. oftentimes we take the leap either out of necessity, which it's fine if that has to happen, but knowing that you need to take care of yourself um, yeah. is, is a huge thing. And I know here at be like we're really big proponents of body before business, not just like go work out or like do Love yoga, that. but like literally like your whole body, your mental health, everything. You have yeah. to do that because- if not, you won't succeed. It's just, exactly. it is what it is, um, or you won't like the success that you're having. Something will be off. Um off alignment, which goes back to the branding. Um, but yeah, well, I have so enjoyed this conversation today and I'm sure we could talk forever about all kinds of different things, Um. (laughs) (laughs) which I'm sure we'll continue the conversation and probably have you back in the future. But, um, is there anything coming in the pipeline from you or where's the best place for our listeners to find and connect with you? Um, if they resonated with us today.
1: Yeah, so I am. I love hanging out on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is Jackie Sunga Co. Um, and I love writing emails to my email list. Every single week, I write emails that are not repurposed from social media. So I like to have stories. I like to tell stories in my emails that are unique to, and it's not found anywhere else, but on my email list. So that can, you can find uh, my weekly notes at JackieSunga.co slash email. And if you want to work on your brand voice, I have a free guide as well. Um, and that can be found at Sunga.co slash brand voice. So if you are in a journey where you are really, really working on strengthening your brand voice, um, that is a gift for your listeners there as well to take advantage of.
0: Wonderful. I love it. And we will link all of this in the show notes. So if you're listening and you don't have time to write this down right now, just go to aloebee.com and look mm-hmm. for Jackie's episode and we will have all of the information linked Um, but thank you so much, Jackie, for your time today. And I hope that all of the listeners will go and check you out until next time. I hope that everybody has a great week and continues to thrive in their business and life. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Alibi Radio. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. If you are needing support to scale your business simply, head over to allobee.com. That is A-L-L-O-B-E-E dot com. Get $50 off your first service with code RADIO50. That's R-A-D-I-O 50. Until next week, take action and gain momentum in your business and life.